Welcome to this edition of Labor Vision. I'm Bob Delaney, Executive Director of the Institute for Labor Studies and Research. Labor Vision, a production of the Institute, focuses on topics of importance to working Rhode Islanders. We hope you enjoy this edition. My name is Erica Hammond. I'm the Workforce Labor Liaison at the Institute for Labor Studies and Research. Today, we're back with our third Women at Work series to, talk, to discuss an ongoing issue affecting people around the world, the taboo of menstruation. Joining me today to talk about the work that they're doing to combat this issue in Rhode Island is Rhode Island State Senator Val Lawson and newly elected president of the Coalition of Labor Union Women, Desiree LeClaire. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. All right, so I want to open the floor to give you both an opportunity to introduce yourselves. Welcome back to Labor Vision for both of you. Um, and I know you both wear many hats, so uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself first, sure. Senator Lawson. Thanks for having me. So as you mentioned, I, um, in 2018 I was elected to the Senate. I represent East Providence. It's my privilege. Um, uh, I am a social studies teacher. This is my 30th year, 30th wow. year teaching. <laughs> I currently teach at East Providence High School. I began my career at Martin Middle School. And I also serve as the Vice President of the National Education Association, Rhode Island. Right. It's my labor hat. Awesome. Um, so I'm Desiree LeClaire. I'm the Rhode Island Director for the 1199 Training and Upgrading Fund. My work primarily falls out of Women and Infants Hospital. Um, I've been here in Rhode Island working in the labor movement since uh, January 2017. I actually worked at the Institute uh, as yeah. the Senior Programs Director and again now I'm working with 1199 and their 1900 members at Women and Infants okay. Hospital. So. And you've been newly elected as of this mm -hmm. this month, right, as uh, the yeah. new um, Coalition of Labor Union Women Rhode yeah. Island Chapter President. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, Do you want to talk a, a little bit about the chapter? Sure, yeah. Uh, the Coalition for Labor Union Women here in Rhode Island works with uh, the labor movement and a host of community groups. Um, we address pressing issues that affect women in labor and beyond, right? So the entire Rhode Island community. Mm -hmm. um, our work stretches for uh, donation campaigns, which I'll talk about a little bit later, as well as fundraising and political activism. Uh, currently, Clue is um, supporting the bill that um, Senator Lawson will be I'm talking Appreciate about. Awesome. Do you want to talk a little bit about this bill? Sure. So um, this legislation would provide feminine hygiene products in gender neutral and female bathrooms in public schools in grades 6 to 12. Okay. And how did this come about, this, this legislation? So I'm actually a CLUE member too yep. and I was part of the campaign last year mm -hmm. and I brought in awareness of this situation as well as the fact that uh, I'm a high school uh, teacher. So I participated in the campaign and um, Maureen Martin, former uh, Secretary Treasurer of the Rhode Island AFL-CIO as well as President of yeah. CLUE brought to my attention that this that throughout the United States there was awareness mm -hmm. in a legislation um, so I was proud to introduce it into the Senate. So we um, introduced it earlier this session. Awesome. And I know that 
Last year, legislation passed to exempt menstrual hygiene products uh, from the state's sales tax. And at least in my opinion, I think that in that for that legislation, House sponsor um, Edith Agello had uh, her message was spot on in saying that uh, menstrual products are a necessity to women, regardless of whether they can afford them or not, and most can't. So do you think that this legislation is a continuation of that work? I absolutely do, and I think it was um, important that that tax was removed from the budget, and it's, it's an equity issue. So providing feminine hygiene products in schools relieves and reduces stress Absolutely. for the students. Mm -hmm. So whether you're a student who has chosen not to attend school because you can't f afford feminine hygiene mm -hmm. products, if this bill passes, that no longer will be an issue. Or you're in a situation where you're caught off guard. Mm -hmm. And it allows students to have um, maintain some privacy where they can do it on their own in a bathroom as opposing to uh, seek out an adult and go to the nurse to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think it is the next step of awareness and education for people and to remove barriers. And, and in some way, this is a barrier for people who can't afford it. And, there's an, and it's an easy fix to the solution. Right. And it, I think it creates a much, you said it already, but a much more comfortable environment for the students who are going through either their first menstrual cycle or a menstrual cycle in high school right. or uh, middle school. I've, I feel like I remember multiple times calling my mom um, and having her come and either pick me up or just coming to the school to drop things off. Um, and then I'd get in trouble for using my phone in school, right? But it was embarrassing to right, go, right. Well, if you have to go to the nurse or to go to the office to make a phone call home. Right, this impacts um, everyone in some way. Mm -hmm. And those students that struggle to be able to afford it, Mm -hmm. That just compounds that issue. Right. And attendance is very important, and we don't want students skipping school because they're afraid mm -hmm. of that embarrassment. Right. And as we, both, we all know that men, uh, women and young girls miss school and work Right. every month uh, because either they can't afford the menstrual hygiene products or in some cases on work sites, they may not have any place to change their products. Right. Um, Desiree, do you want to talk a little bit about the CLUE perspective <clears throat> on the impact that legislation like this would have? Sure. Um, I mean, we represent women, right? Women in labor, women in mm -hmm. Rhode Island. These are our mothers, sisters, grandmothers, daughters, cousins, aunts, coworkers, friends. Um, supporting this legislation is important to help us normalize sort of the conversation about menstruation, um, you know, the expectations, the needs that people, that women have, and um, this is something that will help empower young women to be comfortable, more comfortable with their bodies, more comfortable with a process that is biological in nature, mm -hmm. and um, you know, help them become better leaders and better advocates, right? If they don't have to worry about one piece of their life, then they can go on and you know, be better in school, right? Miss less school. They don't have to worry about burdening their parents with, mom, you need to come pick me up. Mm -hmm. um, and so from our perspective, this is something that just supports women and menstruators in the state. Right. Um, so we want to make sure that we're part of that. And I think that's an important point. You want to make women comfortable, mm -hmm. and this is a way we can do that right. and remove obstacles mm -hmm. right, that are really artificial and unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Like you said, this is a natural, this happens. Biological process. Exactly. Right. It's a natural process that can't be stopped. It's not a choice to right. menstruate. Mm -hmm. It's similar to using the bathroom. Right. We don't have the same conversation around toilet paper and right. soap. Right. 
right? right. Um, so I know that the Rhode Island Clue chapter joined this, the menstrual movement last year when it kicked off its Help a Sister Out period campaign, as mm -hmm. you mentioned previously. Uh, can you tell us more about this campaign? Sure. So um, the Help a Sister Out campaign um, looks to provide feminine hygiene products for those for whom the burden of purchasing those products would, would be a problem, right? So the same people that, that Val is talking about. Um, we work with local, or, local or organizations and union offices and put donation boxes in either the offices or the facilities um, to collect donations mm -hmm. of products. Or uh, we also have um, a GoFundMe page mm -hmm. that um, we will use 100% of those donations to purchase additional products. So all the, don uh, all the donations will be uh, donated to um, local community organizations where mm -hmm. we know that there is a need. So. That's awesome. Yeah. And I know that as a, a fellow Clue sister, I know that last year it was really great. We highly recommend people to donate to that GoFundMe page Absolutely. because 100% of the proceeds go directly towards the products. Yeah. And I remember last year there was such a great deal that uh, former Clue Rhode Island chapter president Maureen Martin uh, had gotten right on the, she was able to find menstrual products for 50% off. So she had gotten so much stuff and even just writing letters to, I know that there was one organization or one company that actually donated a ton of products. Vita. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. yep, Vita, we can, we can talk about that a little bit more. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, so last year we raised about sixty-two hundred dollars uh, through the GoFundMe page. So oh. I do recommend people to do that, um, and that resulted in the donation of about sixty-two, a little bit over sixty-two thousand products. Um, the way that people can get involved in this is either you know call the Rhode Island AFL-CIO uh, to request one or two donation boxes for mm -hmm. their facilities and offices, or they can go to the GoFundMe page, which is gofundme.com backslash help a sister out period. And period um, is spelled out. Period is P-E-R-I-O-D. Yes. Um, our drive, our official drive campaign begins this Sunday, March 8th, on International Women's Day, and the campaign will run through um, May 28th, which is National Menstrual Hygiene Day. So. Okay. And do you want to explain what the significance around May 28th is? Sure. Uh, <laughs> we chose that date because the average woman has her period for uh, five days and runs on a 28-day cycle. Right. So. 5-8, And I know that last year the um, legislators were instrumental in collecting a ton of menstrual hygiene products. Do, hopefully that's something that can happen again this year. Maybe we can bring yeah. this and share this with a lot of the other uh, legislators in the House and we Senate. We did um, on, on the House side yeah. and on the Senate side and uh, I'm certainly going to make a great effort to awesome. uh, even reach out to more people and right. see if we can top last year. Great. Okay. Be awesome. And I know that you mentioned that folks can get involved uh, by going to the GoFundMe page. Uh, is there are there more boxes that can be brought to different locations if people know yep, where absolutely. there's a lot of foot traffic? So you can contact Cheryl at the uh, Rhode Island AFL-CIO okay. um, and just request a box. Tell her your uh, location and you know a contact person, and we are happy to bring you boxes and, <laughs> and collect some. them when they hopefully and right up, exactly right. and collect them of course. Okay. Yep. And um, before we wrap up. Uh, I just wanted to ask both of you uh, how we can f turn this menstrual movement into a un universal movement so that we can get all menstruators and non-menstruators involved in this fight and to understand that it, this isn't just a women's issue, it's affecting everyone. Uh, what would you guys say? 
Well, I think awareness of it, promotion, and educating people. I would certainly love to have anybody who'd like to come up and testify when my bill uh, is before committee, and I'm sure the same thing on the House side. So any opportunity we have to let people know how to donate, mm -hmm. it's a great way to absolutely to move forward. So I, first, I'd say you know we are working in our uh, meetings to have a some uh, some uh, testimony um, from some of our members and other people who might be affected by this. So that's one thing that Clue's doing. But I think the most important thing is just to generally be comfortable talking about menstruation, right? Um, the stigma of having a period should be a thing of the past. And the more often you talk about a social issue, regardless of whether or not it's something that happens to everybody, it happens to a couple people, um, the more uh, awareness people will have and the more comfortable in general everyone will be talking about it, not just right. a women's issue, per a man's issue, whatever, so. And to go back to the legislation quickly, I know that it's been introduced and we don't know when the hearing will be up yet. Or I, I'm not sure. Okay. But we'll I, have to I will um, share that. Um, I did receive, uh, Channel 12 reached out to me, so there was some Great. awareness That's there. Nice. And awesome. I did an interview um, in the Brown University uh, newspaper this week. Okay. So mm -hmm. it is spreading the word. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I will share that contact information yeah. with uh, the student at Brown who wrote the article. Nice. Thank you. That would be amazing. Yeah. 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 I, I want to thank you again for introducing this legislation. I oh, think my pleasure. It, it was really exciting when it was brought back to the, to the Clue chapter and everyone was told about it. So, thank yeah, you. My pleasure. And a good way to honor Maureen Martin. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. that'll be yeah. great. She, I, I'm hoping we can reel her in to <laughs> do some test to testify when this bill comes She'll up for be. its hearing. She'll right. be there. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for being here. Um, I'm really excited to see how this campaign rolls out and continues. Hopefully great. we can beat last year's thank numbers, you. right? Hoping for it, right. All right. Definitely. Well, thank you both so much for being here. For those of you who are just tuning in, you're watching Labor Vision. If you've missed any of this episode, you can check it out on our new website. It's www.laborvisionri.org. And once again, you're watching Labor Vision. Have a great night. Hello, and welcome to Labor Vision production of the Institute for Labor Studies and Research. I'm your host, Erica Hammond, and joined with me today are Rhode Island State Senator Don Oyer and newly elected Secretary-Treasurer of the Rhode Island AFL-CIO, Patrick Crowley. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Welcome to Labor Vision for the first time, Senator Oyer. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. And Patrick, uh, congratulations on your new position. Thank you very much, Erica. You're welcome. Senator Oyer, would you like to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and the district you represent? Sure. I was elected to the Senate in 2017 in a special election. So, and I have been serving, representing uh, Senate District 13, which is Jamestown and Newport. Okay. So prior to being elected, I was a community organizer. Um, I helped pass uh, the marriage equality legislation in mm -hmm. Rhode Island and worked on a lot of a lot of good causes before getting up to mm -hmm. the state house. That's something that you and Patrick have in common. Yes, you worked, must have worked together on that. Yeah, we yes. did. We you know okay. it was a lot of fun passing that law into awesome. you know, and it was a lot of hard work, a lot of, work. A lot of exciting, but uh, yeah. it was great, a great experience. That's an awesome yes. accomplishment too. Yes, yes. And uh, I know in your district that you've been working on a school bond referendum uh, that Newporters will be voting on in the fall. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes. So Newport's high school, Rogers High School, is one of the worst facilities in the state. 
uh, has been reported through multiple reports over the years. And so it's in dire need of replacement. And so there has been community conversations ongoing with the school building committee to make sure that you know, the students and the communities at the table to make sure that there's a vision for what the new school will look like. Okay. And so we've been working hard to try to make sure that we're getting the input from the teachers and the students and the community members to make sure that uh, that input and that it's a strong proposal. So they just submitted the ride uh, stage two proposal and are now working on um, getting the financial aspects of the proposal worked out. Okay. And what what fostered this work? Um, how did it come about? Was it um, a uh, information that came out about the school, or what was it? Yeah, the the state had been working towards doing the statewide bond, which passed in the last election mm -hmm. cycle, and a, a precursor to that work was uh, the, what's referred to as the Jacobs Report, where they had there was a statewide assessment done of facilities of school facilities right. to um, you know basically assess the need, and from that report, it was shown that the need is it was very much to make uh, additional investments in school infrastructure across the state and so from that report that really outlined the dire need that we have in the state uh, we worked hard to pass a state bond and so crafting that in the General Assembly and uh, making sure that there was broad support mm -hmm. for that bond and then in Newport actually Newport supported the bond at a higher percentage than the rest of the state so it's very clear that Newporters understand the need mm -hmm. for additional investments in the schools. What has the community support looked like um, from teachers, students, parents of students? Well, I think you know the the school building process is is a little bit designed to be a little bit. Um, tedious quite mm -hmm. frankly because it's a lot of meetings and it's a mm -hmm. lot of you know public visioning statements and but I think you know we had a standing room only uh, a city council meeting when That's the good. stage two application was up for a vote at the city mm -hmm. council uh, the the kids and the parents really t and the teachers really turned out in force um, mm -hmm. to, to show the, the they, they're supportive of this project. Okay. Yeah, I'd really like to give a shout out to the members of the uh, Newport Teachers Association, mm -hmm. TAN, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and they're, they're two leaders, David Kusajani and Jen Hall, did a great job working with the community, working mm -hmm. with parents and students to get out to this meeting. And, um, you know, like the senator said, it was a great show of support, and the city council people really stepped up and listened to the community and, you know, uh, took the next step. So hopefully, come November, there'll be a, a good vote to have a, a new school in Newport. So leading up to November, will there be a lot more um, info sessions or community sessions happening? Oh, yes, all yeah. along the way. Yeah. Okay. And um, I know that you've re also recently introduced legislation uh, regarding minimum wage and including domestic workers in the minimum wage. Uh, can you talk a little bit about this? I know that the Rhode Island AFL-CIO is making this a priority. So either one of you can speak on this. Um, yeah, I was I was happy to introduce this. Actually, George Nee had approached me and, and talked to me about this issue. In the minimum wage statute, there's certain uh, professions, certain categories of workers that are mm -hmm. exempted from the minimum wage statute for one reason or another. And one of those categories of workers that's exempted is domestic service workers. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, that doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. I think just because you're employed in somebody's house doesn't 
doesn't mean that you shouldn't be earning the minimum wage, in my opinion. So I was very happy to sponsor this bill, and I look forward to us having a great hearing on it. Can you explain what a domestic worker is? Uh, you know, somebody who would work in a person's home primarily, somebody who you know maybe does cleaning or um, I know some sometimes um, yeah I think cleaning is, mm -hmm. is one of the most common examples. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean it, this is an important piece of legislation, uh, really because it, it addresses a wrong mm -hmm. from you know over 50 or 60 years ago in the New Deal. For as positive as the New Deal was during the time that FDR was president, we made a lot of progress when it came to how we treat working people and how we treat especially people that work in lower paid industries. Right. But we didn't include a number of categories of workers, domestic workers being one of them. And the, the only honest way to describe it is it was a form of racism. Right. A lot of people of color, a lot of women worked in this type of industry back in the 30s when the New Deal was enacted. And over the years, the labor movement has been striving to overcome the structural racism that federal laws you know, didn't take into account when they were originally passed. So we've made some progress over the years. We've added in healthcare workers. We've added in farm workers on the state level. So this is an important step forward for really a, a group of workers that deserve to be treated a lot better than they are. Right. That was going to be my next question was why is it that they've historically been excluded from this legislation, from the Fair Labor Standard Act? This didn't make sense until it's explained and you really think about why. Right. I mean, right. And, and I think as we become more aware of how structural racism mm -hmm. you know, plays out in right. the economy in the 21st century, it's incumbent upon all of us, but especially us in the labor movement, mm -hmm. to address those circumstances. So kudos to Senator Oyer for stepping yeah. up and putting forward this bill. And I know that we don't always know when a hearing is going to come up, but this has been introduced. There hasn't been any hearing yet, or? It, correct. It, it's been okay. introduced, and so we're waiting for the, we're working on scheduling the hearing. Okay, so yeah. it would be, I think, critical to get community support, the community involved, right? Absolutely, um, And yes. have them attend the hearings. What impact would passage of this legislation have on this industry? I mean, I think it would be so critically important and potentially life-changing mm -hmm. for um, folks who work in this field. I think that, you know, and, and I think not just the economic, uh, individual economic impact that it would have for the workers, which I think is important, mm -hmm. but I think the aspect that Pat mentioned as well about addressing the structural racism is, is a critical message that mm -hmm. we need to send. I think that the, it's not always clear how our history of racism manifests in today's society. Okay. And I think this is a really easy, concrete example to show that not only are we understanding that, but we're trying to address it. And I think right. that sends an important message. Absolutely. And uh, we had Jennifer Wood from the Center for mm -hmm. Justice on probably about a few months ago now. Um, and she talked a little bit about the work that they're doing on wage theft. Mm -hmm. And it was she was specifically at one point talking about um, a group of domestic workers that there, it had never been documented or it had never been seen how much money was being um, stolen from them, essentially. And I think that this is one way of addressing that same issue. It's, it's coming from two different angles, but it's the same problem. That's right. I mean, it, it's almost like our friends in the building trades talk about the underground economy all of the mm -hmm. time and how especially immigrant communities get exploited by unscrupulous employers. Mm -hmm. So anything that we can do to bring that into the light of day, I think is going to be better for all working right. people. I mean, we're relying on the employer to do the right thing, and we don't 
we don't rely on them to do the right thing That's in any right. o- many other situations, right? Because we can't expect that they will. Um, all right. Well, I know that there is um, some other legislation that you've been working on around forbidding employers to require an employee to execute a non-disclosure, um, uh, dis- non-disbargement agreement regarding al- alleged violations of civil rights um, upon high upon as a condition of employment. Uh, Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, as part of the the echoes of the Me Too movement, the conversations around non-disclosure agreements have really been front and center. And the um, uh, presidential candidate, well, I suppose former presidential candidate Mm -hmm. Warren really helped raise the profile of that issue uh, with Michael Bloomberg around Mm -hmm. the non-disclosure agreements and how how they are used sometimes to silence workers. So what ends up happening is that uh, in in many industries, folks as part of their employment, you know, you start on day one, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement because companies don't want you to give out company secrets and and things like that. So so what my bill is really intended to do is to look at those types of non-disclosures that are just entered into as the regular course of business and saying that if you are in one of those non-disclosure agreements, you're not prohibited from contacting an attorney or filing a claim for sexual harassment, mm-hmm. for discrimination, or any other civil rights claim. Mm-hmm. So it basically is, is preventing the em- employers from using those types of general non-disclosure agreements as a shield to uh, pr- to um, restrict other you know unlawful behavior okay it's it's really giving the power back to the victim in a, a case where it's been taken away significantly oh absolutely right. absolutely and giving giving folks the confidence that if they want to go and report this behavior that mm-hmm. they will not seek they will not uh, receive any sort of negative repercussions, repercussions from right. the company absolutely yep. And I, I think I saw that there was a hearing for that maybe a few weeks ago. Is, yes. There, okay. Yes, there was a hearing in the Senate Judiciary mm-hmm. Committee, and you know, again, the, the conversation around non-disclosure agreements and what is how, because there are some times where non-disclosure agreements are appropriate, are mm-hmm. an appropriate legal tool, and so trying to find the right way to draft this bill to make sure that we're protecting the. Mm-hmm the right and the ability of the companies to protect their trade secrets right. while still giving the victims the the clearance that they need okay. to be able to stake these claims. I'm definitely interested to see the rollout of all of this and watch how it unfolds. Yes. And uh, before we close, I just want to highlight some other great legislation that you're working on. Um, I know that you're on the nursing home, the safe, the uh, Staffing and Quality Care Act, yes. um, as well as the menstrual hygiene products in public schools. So, yes. um, a, if you want to talk about that, I know we only have a few minutes, but um, if you want to highlight some of that legislation, that would be oh great. yeah, you know, Newport is one of the older. Uh, population demographics mm-hmm. actually in the state. So the issue around nursing home staffing is really, my constituents have been very active in reaching out to me about mm-hmm. that to support that legislation because it's it's a, a, a workplace issue to support the workers. It's also a quality of care issue for the patients. And I am really happy that I was able to co-sponsor that bill and I'm hopeful that we'll be able to get that across the finish line this year. Yeah, I'm excited to bring back SEIU to talk a little bit more about that work. Um, 
and uh, how the menstrual hygiene products in public schools. I know that we're going to talk about that in a future segment as well, um, but I was really excited to see your name on that legislation. Yes, and I, Senator Val Lawson, mm -hmm. uh, who is a great friend of mine and a wonderful senator, and I'm, I'm very honored to work with her on, the, on that legislation as well. Yeah, it's, it's, such a, it's, a, it's such a critical bill. I mean, okay. it really, it's just important to have the conversation about menstrual hygiene products that available for all of our people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, well, I want to, before we close, I want to thank you both so much for being here. I know you're both very busy, uh, so I appreciate your time. Thank you. Great, thank you very much. Thank this you. was great. All right. For those of you who are just tuning in, you're watching Labor Vision. If you've missed any of this episode, you can check any of them out at uh, our new website, which is www.laborvisionri.org, and you can also check out our Instagram page, which is Labor Vision RI. Thank you so much for joining us. You're watching Labor Vision. Have a great night. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Labor Vision. We appreciate your input and encourage your comments. Labor Vision can be seen on this channel three times each week. Tuesday at 7 p.m., Thursday at 8 p.m., and Saturday at 5 p.m.